Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham, where we help you take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Today, I have a special guest with me. I've known Tim Kaiser for probably, oh shoot, maybe almost 30 years, maybe a little bit less than that, but I've known him for a very long time. Um, Really great guy. And he's done a ton. So he has an awesome book he wrote called The Profit Dare. He just left corporate America after being in it for 30 years. He's a financial expert. He was a pastor at one time. He does a ton of other stuff. But for Tim, for people that don't know you as well as I do, give us a little bit of your background, what you do, and how you got to this point. Hey, Joe. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah. So uh, busy life. I, I uh, started early on in life, joined the Navy right out of high school, was very ill-prepared for college at the time. So I joined the Navy, left small town Michigan, moved to Philadelphia and San Diego, uh, got out of the Navy, started going to college and just working in corporate America. Um, currently, I am a, I am an author of, of two books, an e-book and an imprint book, financial coach, I blog at The Profit Dare. I have a YouTube channel that's kind of a side project. Um, I'm, a, I'm a partial business owner in a family manufacturing business. I do some guest writing. Um, I, I like having multiple streams of income. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you mentioned I just left corporate America. It's kind of a funny story, maybe not. Uh, I was doing quite well with working at one of the biggest banks in the country. Been there at that company for over 21 years. And uh, it came to the point where I, the way I think about it it, it, it was like my primary source of provision was beginning to poison my purpose. And it, it just, it just, things were, I, I, there had to be something better. So I turned down massive salary, my largest portion of my salary, awesome office in downtown Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, left a lot of smart people behind, great friends. But I just figured there was something better. And so right now, um, since July 5th, July 6th, actually, been kind of taking an easy unwinding and relaxing and looking for my next challenge. (laughs) Nice. No, that's good. I think a lot of people that listen to this show maybe are starting their career or maybe they're starting a business or something like that. And they can definitely relate to you with that. So let's unpack that a little bit because that's crazy in a lot of people's mind. Um, so you got to the point where you're in corporate America, you're making a bunch of money, but you just felt like there was something more that you wanted to step out and do. How did you get through to that process? And how did you convince your wife to agree with you on that? Because I know you've been married for a long time <laughs> yeah, so you know God, yeah. and you have to talk yeah. to the wife about sure. that type of stuff. So this intrigues me. Yeah. So, I mean, for us, it was good timing. So we had two children, Don's my wife. We have, we've been married 28 years. We have two children, a uh, 26-year-old lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. Our 22-year-old just graduated college uh, out of uh, Grove City College in Pennsylvania and is preparing to move back to Pennsylvania in September. Um, so timing was right for us. So we had all the big expenses that you would think of, you know, paying for college and braces and mm-hmm. all the things we do as parents were done, right? We got through that. But um, so my, my wife, um, was there every step of the way. And so obviously through COVID, you know, we were started working remotely and uh, my job was intense, right? So uh, I was good at it. I got compensated properly for it. But, you know, I would find myself every Tuesday night on a call with Singapore till nine o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. 
Sunday nights, I would be on a call with, with either New Zealand or, or Australia till later because, you know, time changes. Right. And then I would work regular, you know, seven to six, seven to seven on a regular day. And so it was, um, it, it started becoming really challenging. And I think all of us can go through seasons where we do that. I mean, I think anybody can work 50, 60, 70 hours for a season. Mm-hmm. But when that season turns into years, and, and it kind of became an issue when we'd go on, uh, take a vacation, and then it would be like, when I got back from vacation, I would be spending almost all of my time getting caught back up from mm-hmm. being on vacation and be like, oh, was it even worth it, you know? So that it's kind of like a be crispy on the edges. And um, so, you know, we started talking about it. So, hey, you know, I, I want to do something different. And so I started applying for different jobs. And... Uh, I'm like a serial interviewer. So I love to apply for jobs and interview. I yep, think yep. It's a great skill to have. There's never a bad interview because you're learning something or meeting somebody. And uh, we actually, I actually was hired on for a job in a town in between Indianapolis and Cincinnati. And we considered taking that job. We, are, we signed the contract. And so they're like, hey, we have to do a background investigation. I was like, well, that's kind of backwards. After you already signed the right, right, letter. and so we Don's like, let's drive down and look at houses. So we did, and then she's like, yeah, we can't move here. It just isn't right. And mm-hmm. I've been married long enough, you know. You don't. You, yep. Your wife says that, and I was like, well, you can't move here. I can't. I'm not moving. That's right. I'm not you know, going. Right? <laughs> so, so uh, I was like, well, I, I've been married long enough to trust my wife. I didn't didn't even question it. So mm-hmm. I just kind of like bit the bullet, contacted them on Monday and said, hey, I have to back out of this. And um, I was actually in my own company. I was applying for a different job in the office in Chicago. And uh, it would have been a better match for my skills. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I did all the interviews. Interviews went well. We were waiting for the answer. Haven't heard anything yet. And uh, it was like, and I was like, well, if I get the job, then I'll be good. If I don't, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. But it was like uh, in the middle of the week, still haven't heard anything yet. And I was on a call at work. And I started thinking, I was like, would it really be any better? Would I, if I had this new different job, mm-hmm. right? right? And I was like, if I wake up tomorrow with that job, will I be excited to go to work and saying, man, I'm fulfilling my purpose. And I had to think about it because the job would have been s- similar salary range, which is, again, I was compensated quite fairly. Right, right. Yep. Bonus was even bigger. So it had been an even bigger compensation package. I wouldn't have to move. I could stay right where I'm at. Um, we have a big team managing, managing a $5 billion portfolio, mm-hmm. which is you know great for our egos. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> would it be better? And I answered the question. I was like, no, it wouldn't be Tim. You still would not be fulfilling your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so I looked at my calendar and saw my boss had some free time. I scheduled a meeting and see, I've gone all along knew I said, Hey, I, I just might not stick around. And she's like, you know what? I trust you. Mm-hmm. You, you've not steered us wrong financially in 28 years. I trust you. So that makes it a lot easier. Yes. Right, with yep. on board. Now, having said that, Joe, we did make provision financially. It wasn't mm-hmm. some harebrained decision. Right. We didn't all of a sudden say, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? No, we, we, we sacrificed in the, in the event that this might happen. So mm-hmm. when you know, everyone else that we know is going to Aruba or, you know, or doing vacations or buying boats and motor homes and all these great things, we're like, well, let's just put some of these nuts away like squirrels if mm-hmm. this happens then they're all think now sometimes i think they're crazy for buying a motor home and a boat <laughs> yep, yep. But now i'm not working and they're thinking he's crazy right because mm-hmm. i am not i'm not working and there's no salary coming in from that old job and i'm perfectly fine 
right? Perfectly fine financially too. And so I just said, hey, looked at my boss's calendar. He had some time. I put in my notice. My boss, I had a fantastic boss. I really I liked that guy a lot. He was a military guy. Fun fact, he was actually in the Pentagon on 9-11 when it was bombed. So oh, wow. he and I had a lot of military stuff that we were just tied on. And he was sad, but he respected my decision. And um, so Don was out with some friends walking at a park. I was on the deck, our deck at lunchtime because we're all still working remote because of COVID. And she came in and started talking about meeting some of her friends she hadn't seen in a while. And she goes, anything else going on today? <laughs> I go, huh. I said, I quit my job today. <laughs> and she just, she, Joe, she, it's so proud. she just gave me a high five. She said, let's do this then. That's and so, awesome. Uh, yeah, I took a week off just not working. Yep. The next week, we spent a week in Arkansas at a fishing cabin, trout fishing. Mm-hmm. We went and visited my, my cousin in Tulsa, who's on staff at one of the mega churches there. So that spent some family. And then I'm just, you know, just searching and seeking open for what's mm-hmm. next. But no, you're right. How do we do it? That it was, it, it was, it was not like a harebrained quick decision. It was planning purpose in it and, and provision was made to make it because, you know, who knows? I, I mean, it, I don't, honestly, I don't know what's next. I have some ideas mm-hmm. what's next, but uh, I'm open to anything really. So it's kind of a good feeling. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And, and I liked, you did, you talked about a lot of things there because sometimes people like, they'll get this idea, they'll get this dream and then they just jump into it, but they don't plan it out. Like you yeah. said, yes, I'd made this decision, but when I was working before, I put money back so that I could be in a position to take advantage of that, which yeah. I think is key for a lot of people. Anyone wanting to start a business, be an yeah. entrepreneur, do anything, make sure your financial house is in order because- yeah. It's great to have dreams and it's great to step out in faith, but make sure that, you know, you're doing it step by step. Because like we talked about earlier before we started this, success isn't right from the go. It's a process. And you, over time, built that success, which kind of yeah. leads me to the next thing, because you're a financial plan or a financial coach and you wrote books and all on it. So for my friends and all on here, maybe they're salespeople just starting their career, or maybe they are entrepreneurs starting their thing. How much money should they be putting aside for their dreams? How can they even start that process? Because I know a lot of people don't really know much about finances, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. And, and there's really no cookie cutter answer. Uh, contrary to what the most popular uh, financial radio shows are, there's no there's no one size fits all in this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it depends on your dream, right? I have, I have a niece who started the business. And I, I use this example. I was teaching a, a, a financial seminar for some business owners uh, in, the, in the fall. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, you know, if you're, if you, and she, she started her own business and she started a cleaning business. And she started with like a squeegee and a vacuum cleaner. Yep. And she had that in her house and she started getting clients. And then now she's, she has employees and she has multiple houses and businesses that she, she didn't start there. Right. The, the hard the hard part usually is just starting. Yep. And I think sometimes some people are very creative. They really are. And this blows me away. I have a friend back in Michigan who owns a, uh, a automation manufacturing company. So he basically creates machines that make, creates productivity and automates uh, things. And he started, he got an inheritance from his grandmother, mm-hmm. went to the Goodwill store, like in Benton Harbor, St. Joe, Michigan, and bought a lathe. The dude has like a multi, multi billion or million dollar, hundred, probably, probably at least a hundred million dollar a year business. Mm-hmm. And it's worldwide. And, you know, but he started with that. Yep. So I, I think sometimes it's like, we don't think we, we, well, I need a way out here. 
But the hard part is just getting started, yep. just getting started. And so if our, you know, our dream may be Z, you know, and we're here at A, grinding it out. But if you never go to B, you'll never get to C or D. Mm-hmm. You know, it sounds so simple. But, you know, I, I tell people when they, I, I want to say, I want to I retire with, with dignity. And I'm thinking, well, don't think you got to start with 15% of your gross income in your 401k. Just start with one. Yep. Just get that muscle going where, guess what? You did 1%, which may be, I mean, if you make $50,000 a year, which is just right at medium, median income, you're like 500 bucks a year. But guess what you are now? You own part of Apple now. Mm-hmm. You yep. own part of Exxon or whatever company you're thinking of. And just six months ago, you didn't. You started. And then just it compounds and it compounds you. You know, you, you talk about lifting weights and repetitions. You, yep. you know, you're not going to bench press 300 pounds. Well, most of us aren't day one, <laughs> no. you know. So, you know, you're going to be sore doing the 35 pound dumbbells uh-huh. and maybe eventually you'll get to the 300 pound and you can get your name on the wall or whatever. But I think just getting started. So, um, it, it all depends on the dream, right? The size of the dream. I'm sure my friend Rick that owns Edgewater Automation in Michigan did not dream, did, probably didn't even fathom being a worldwide company. And now he has offices in South Carolina, headquarters in Michigan, has an office in California and a European office in France. I'm sure when he went to the went to the goodwill, he didn't say, "Well, I just can't get started because I want to have four offices all over the world." <laughs> yeah. But all he yep. had was this one single lathe in front of him at a goodwill that cost like fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So uh, the the big thing I think is just getting started, and then and then and then pivot or double down or whatever that has to be made. The decision has to be made. You know, you you it, it's I know it sounds cliche, Joe, but it's. It's true, right? It's true. It's just getting started. I look back at us and, and I did that. So I'm not saying anything I didn't do. I started 1% of my 401k, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 then guess what? My company doubled it, right? Like, oh, you put in one, we'll put in a dollar. Yep. Yep. Like, wow, that's a pretty good deal. And the next thing you know, I'm putting in two and then three and then four and then five, whatever it is. And I look back now and I remember looking at my first couple of bank statements and, or, you know, it's like $2,000 or $3,000. Mm-hmm. And now it's massive. It's almost embarrassing. Sometimes I think, wow, it's so it's for me, it's big, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, but if I wouldn't have started way back then yep. with just a little bit, 50 bucks, 30 bucks, whatever it was, 12, I don't even know. It was probably, it was insignificant at the time. It might've been a million. If I didn't have, I probably didn't have 12 bucks, mm-hmm. but if I would have had it, I'd probably spend on something stupid anyways. Yeah, we, know, all so, we all do. We all do. I mean, you know, you, I, I know, you know, go on vacations or whatever. Those are your dreams. You just got to start. Start. Hey, you know, you know, did you go to, was it Bali or Nepal you went to this year? Was yeah, it? we went to Hawaii. So we were on the oh, Nepali okay. coastline. Yep. Yep. Okay. So it's Nepali coastline. It was really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I love your points there. So you broke down a few things here that I want to go back to first, having the right person in your corner, whether yeah. it's your spouse business partner, whatever you're looking to do, make sure you have people that believe in your dreams and that you know you can trust them because you've built that establishment. And then I deal with this a lot of times. I have a lot of friends, a lot of people I talk to, they're like, I have this dream. They'll talk about the dream. They'll talk about, but they never get started. And and I agree with you hundred percent. I think you have to have that repetition. You have to go out. And even if you do three things a week towards your dream, Mm -hmm. You're a lot better than the person that thinks about it and talks yeah. big because there's no point. Yeah. I mean, there's no yeah. point either do it or don't talk about it. 
Yeah, there's a there's a there's an ancient Hebrew proverb that says all labor leads to profit, but idle talk only leads to poverty. Yep. So it's kind of like talk is cheap, and oh yeah, talk talk is cheap. I I, I mean it's it's it, I, just working. I, when I was in the Navy, I spent five years in the Navy. And I was an air intercept controller, so I worked with F fourteen pilots, and I thought I was all you know I was all that right. Top gun would go to Top Gun base. It's a real place. Nice. And, you know, controlling these 30, 40, 50 million dollar airplanes. I got out of Navy in, in the middle of a recession, mm-hmm. right? Couldn't find a job. And I'm like, I have all these skills. Like, only skill you have is doing war. All you gotta do is do war. <laughs> yeah. How to make that into a regular job. So, guess what I did? I had a cousin who owned like a garage and he sold hubcaps. So, mm-hmm. I cleaned hubcaps, right? I'm, Talk about a fall from grace. Here I'm out this fancy guy with a call sign and a cool air, air jacket, you know, and cool, I'm on an aircraft carrier going all <laughs> over the world. Yep. And then now I'm in this, you know, washing hubcaps with a brush. Mm-hmm. But you know what? And all labor, there's profit. Yep. I didn't wait and say, well, I can't get a job. Uh-huh. Victim mentality and, and making excuses and complaining, there's no power in that at all. That yep. just, that just, just devastates people it makes us feel better but all that all that is attract the wrong kind of people because people want to be your hero and 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 you what we need is to say you know what i'm going to do this thing and if it's i'm going to grind it out and i'm going to just keep going as long as we keep moving i i I went to college late in life late in life i i I was very fortunate at the time i was working general general electric and they paid for my bachelor's grade and paid for my mba and I was working with people who were similar. They were like late in the game. And I was like, don't stop taking classes. I know it's hard. I know we're married. We have kids. You know, it's hard. You, as soon as you stop, you won't finish. I promise you, you won't finish. And guess what? They never did. You just don't, you just momentum. It, mm-hmm. It's momentum. It's positive momentum and grinding things out. Because you go someplace and all of a sudden the view's different, right? You take a couple more steps and the view's different. Or you keep going up the mountain. I mean, and you were talking about being in Hawaii and these, you go in these high places. You said, if you were, uh, it's one of your podcasts, you know, you were in shape so you could climb this tall mountain, right? Yep, but, yep. Uh, it, things look different up there, didn't they? They do. Totally they do. Different. And it's so much better. And, and, and that's, it's, it's literal and it's figurative, yeah. right? And, it, and, it, and you, again, are hitting key points that people just miss. Like people that like to be negative or victim mentality, I don't get along well with them. If I'm in a room with them, I aggravate them because I'll yeah. listen to it for about 10 seconds. And I'm like, well, what did you do about it? Did yeah. you own it? it? You know, it just, it, it's, it's like a totally different mindset, but you also said something that really perked my interest. And I, and I do believe with this, you said, and then you attract to yourself, the people around you that will like copy or whatever. And, but the reverse is true too. When you start getting the momentum, like you mentioned, then you start attracting the doers, the people that are trying to chase their dreams. And then you get to do these experiences that other people have no clue about. And they look at you like, how did you do that? Well, I changed my mindset. Life is seasons. I did what I needed to do in that season and I moved forward. So going into that, how was it with writing the book? Cause I know Mm -hmm. you did a book. Yep. The Profit Dare, and then you have another book. So what's the other book? Other one's called Floating Axes and No Taxes. It's about a, it's a money miracle book. Money yeah. miracle book. Okay, so that yeah. will intrigue a lot of my people. Yeah. And I did check. You can get it on Amazon. Is there anywhere else that they can get it? Or is that yeah, the, get it, Barnes, the, the, the The imprint book, they can get at Amazon or Barnes & Noble uh, the, uh, or any, any bookstore can order it for you. The other one's Amazon only because it's an e-book. But yeah. 
Gotcha. And do you have like a website or places that people can follow you? I always do this in the middle because I yeah, hate yeah. getting to the end. No, the, my website's called theprofitgear.com. Um, I, I, I'm not a real big social media person. I'm on LinkedIn probably the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn, I think it's LinkedIn slash dot slash IN slash T Kaiser. Um, and then Facebook is slash the profit there as well. But I'm trying to wait. I, I spend most of my LinkedIn. I'm not a real big social media person, but my website is the profit there. Gotcha. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. So getting back to what we were talking about, attracting the right people and, you know, getting going towards your dream. Like, you know, I went on that mastermind. I met some yeah. like-minded people and, and like I've done this in church settings. I've done this in uh, regular business settings. How important have you found that the people around you are to your success? Do you think that they affect it to the better or to the worst, or do you think that community is important, or what's your thoughts on that? It depends on the people. They can affect it to the worst or the better if you get the wrong people around you. Um, but no, absolutely. I mean, you want, I mean, let's go back to the victim mentality. There are situations where people are, have been, we, we've all been victimized. Mm-hmm. Some people extremely victimized, um, but we can choose whether to be a victim or not, right? So right. I think about the, the, uh, the book, uh, I think it was Victor Frankel. He's a psychiatrist from the. Yes, he was in yes, a, yes. Uh, the meaning uh, of man. Search for meaning. I think man, search for meaning. Yes, I just yeah. got the book. I yeah. literally so he, reading so it right he, now. He was a Jew, Jewish person in the Holocaust in a concentration camp. He's a psychiatrist mm-hmm. by trade, and he determined that they could not touch him. Yep. He was the real him was on the inside, and people around him were just dying. I, I, here, I'll just use a weird example. And you know my sister-in-law, Pam, from back mm-hmm. in Kalamazoo. Yep. And she died, she died of cancer last year. Mm-hmm. And she, when she first received her diagnosis, my brother called me to the hospital. And he's like, dude, she has three months to live. That's what the doctor said, three months to live. Mm-hmm. She lived almost 11 years. Yeah, yeah. And the doctors pretty much say they can tell within a matter of time whether someone's going to make it or not in most cases a lot of it is our willingness to fight. Mm-hmm. Are you a victim or whatever, you know? And then what she told me, she's like, could we work together at the time? We were working at General Electric together. And she's, this is what she said. I'm, I'm not speaking out of school because my brother even repeated at her funeral. She said, I was like, you know, this is pretty bad. She goes, she goes, ah. she goes, you know me. She goes, I'm too much of a bitch to die that easy. Yeah, I'm putting yeah. out a fight. And that's what she did. And that's what she did. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you don't, you know, the, you know, there's, there, there's a thing you could go around, you could go around and say, Oh, Pam, you poor thing. You got, you, you have cancer, you poor thing. That's not going to change her. That's yeah. not going to help her. Maybe day one or day two, when you're still embracing the idea that's happening, mm-hmm. but then you have to start fighting. I right. mean, you're not going to go up to Mike Tyson and just put your chin out and say, hit me as hard as you want. I mean, you might, you might die in the ring, <laughs> yep. but you better start swinging, pal. Right. You better start swinging. It's going to be a lot worse. And so it's like that. You can get people around you who, again, you've been truly victimized. You might need a time to ca- catch your breath, mm-hmm. but you want people around you who are going to make you better, yes. who is going to encourage you to be better, not people who are going to help you suck your thumb and slick your wounds and talk about how bad everybody is and how the rich people are getting rich and the poor people are getting poor. The truth is the rich people are getting rich and the poor are getting rich. That's the truth. The truth is, you know, and and it's, it's, so, so we want to be surrounded by people who, who encourage us to be better, who stretch us in the right ways. Um, Some people just turds. That's the way it is. I get it. 
Yep. But not everybody, right? Not everybody. I, I remember I was talking to my friend Rick, who owns that manufacturing business back in Michigan. We were in grad school, and, and I'm not a dumb guy. I'm not going to say I'm a smart guy, smartest guy. I'm not a dumb guy. But I was in this cohort in grad school with that guy, who is brilliant, the CFO of the biggest hospital system in West Michigan, mm-hmm. the chief engineer of one of the automotive companies, and an HR director of a manufacturing company. I was by far the weak link in that group. <laughs> you know, And I was like, this is great, because usually I'm not. Like, this yep. is how this feels. This is awesome, right? But they all, they all may be better, right? Mm-hmm. They may be better. I saw how they prepared, how they thought, how they, how they did things. And it was because if, if, if you're around people who are just taking it easy and coasting, and coasting is bad. You just coast up yep. the door eventually, right? Yep. So coasting is downhill. We want to be going uphill all the time. No, no, I agree with you. I like, that's why I went to the mastermind because like in my sales job and all, and a lot of these people listen to this podcast, you know, I'm always leading and helping them, but I needed to get around people that, like you said, are doing more than me, have a bigger vision than me, are going to look at me and say, okay, cool. That's good. What's next? You know, you want to have that circle that will push you to become the best version of you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think community is huge. Um, oh, it's big. Yeah, it's very big. Very big. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm very fortunate where I live now. The church we are here in, in suburban Chicago and the people community is huge. It's as simple as, uh, hey, I'm moving. I need help. And all of a sudden, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a team of people show up to help you. Yep. Um, so, you know, you're not you know, you're not isolation. Uh, isolation. Is deadly and in we can we can we can imagine our problems. You know, we're the only ones that face problems. We're the only one that have it bad. And mm-hmm. truth is, we all have it bad. Life is right. tough. Living on Earth is tough. Being married, Joe, you've been married over twenty years now too, right? Yep. Being married, we love our wives. I know Jen's a fantastic wife, and she is. And, and but being married is challenging, it right? Is. It's a choice. But, Love yeah, I have, a, I have some friends, yep. some friends, some mutual friends of ours, Casey and Cheryl, Cheryl Jones. Mm-hmm. They're celebrating their fiftieth wedding anniversary in August. That's awesome. That's not. That does not just happen on its own. No, not at that all. That doesn't happen on its own. That's a lot of fighting, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears. You know, a lot of compromise or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. it's like that in every area of life. So you want you anything worth having is going to be a challenge. It is. I. I I think it's, you know, in the, in the job that I had just finished doing and the job before that, the job before that, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God blessed me with all those jobs. I mean, mm-hmm. I hear you talking in your podcast and you know, we were both raised in, 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 in Southwest or West Michigan. I was in an office in Michigan and it came to the point where um, there was a job opening that I was by far the most qualified person to get that job. And I went to the, and I, I talked to my boss at the time, my boss is in Atlanta. We had offices in Atlanta, Chicago, and then one in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he says, no, you should apply for that job. It's, it's you're, the, you're, you're the easy, obvious choice. So he goes, just talk to the manager of the office. So I did. And he's like, uh, well, you can apply for it, but you're not going to get it. I was like, why, why not? And he's like, because I'm trying to like save jobs here. I said, well, that person could take my job because I know my job. They need to know what I know. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's not going to happen. So at that point, I had a decision to make. Was I going to stay there, leave the company, or stay in the company and leave offices? Within a month, there was a job in Chicago, and I moved. Mm-hmm. And since then, honestly, Joe, since that time, my pay in eight years tripled. Yep. yep. It didn't happen overnight. No. It didn't happen overnight. It happened year by year by year by year. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, But it was it hard? Absolutely. 
my son just finished his ninth grade in, in high school in Michigan. He's like, I'm not moving with you guys. And I said, well, okay, whatever. And uh, he did, obviously. Yep, of course. Yep. And now he's happy that he did, right? So, but it, you know, now I'm going where my life was in my office and back in Michigan. I could leave work at 4.30, drive mm-hmm. home, have like whatever, do what I want to do, get in my pool, listen to the Tigers game on the radio Go Rangers, and hang yeah. out. And my <laughs> life was so easy, so yep. easy. Because what? I was compensated the same way though, because my life was easy. Yep. I come here, I have to take a train to work every single day. I have a, you know this office that's like within like more people in my office building than in, in my city back home. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, all of a sudden I'm not working from eight to four thirty. I'm working from seven to seven, right? It was hard, but it was worth it, right? So yeah. if it's easy, it, it, yeah, you know what I'm saying. All you right. get what you get with yeah. what effort you put in. So if it's easy, then you're going to get easy results. If it's hard, you can get hard results. Like you were talking about the marriage thing. And yeah. like I have, hey, I've been married 20 some years and I wrote a post on it recently. And I was just like, love is a choice. It's not <laughs> a always romantic or how Hollywood makes it where everything's all great and glamorous. No, you're choosing to live your life with your best friend. There's going to be great days. There's going to be horrible days. There's going to be, you know, just stuff that doesn't work, but you have to choose to love each day. I mean, that's just, that's how it is. And and we did the same thing. We moved from Michigan to Texas. My wife ended up getting a job down here and I transferred with my company on a, we just felt we needed to do it. And it was probably the hardest decision I ever did, but wife was in agreement with it, but it was the best decision because it got me out of, and I think a lot of people deal with it. It got me out of the whole, what my family, which they're good people, don't take that role. Yeah. And the people yeah. around me thought of me or wanted me to be so I could actually become the person I'm supposed to be. And then yeah. I went through a ton of hard jobs and now to the point where I'm doing podcasting and sales coaching because I have my sales job down but in the beginning it wasn't that way in the beginning it was sure. pounding grinding yeah. and doing that um yeah no man you have been dropping a lot of very good nuggets and knowledge sure. i want to shift gears a little bit here um and I'll, and i know you've heard this question but i love asking this question it's like my favorite question to ask so and you can go back in time as far as you want or mm-hmm. you can go in the future as far as you want you can talk to whoever you want you get to be there for one year and then you get to come back with the knowledge here. Where would you go and who would you talk with? You get to be there for a year and you get to learn from them whatever you want and then come back here. Yeah, this, this is going to seem like a, not a grand, grand answer, but um, I, I go back to, to talk to my grandfather, my maternal grandfather. My maternal grandfather went fully blind in his mid-50s. I was just a, I was just a kid. I mean, I was a little bitty when he went fully blind. And he did not let that stop him at all. Mm-hmm. He still ran a full farm as a blind person. Now he had a seeing eye dog, um, but he he um, he overcomes so many obstacles. Now there, there and I, I put this in my book, The Profit Year. So I use him as an example because I think philosophy and perception is one of the big things. My grandfather was never ever poor, but he was not always financially fit. Mm-hmm. And he had a problem. He thought the government could keep him down. And he was right, they did. But I, I would I'd go back for a couple of reasons. It was like time travel stuff, since we're just you know, spitballing here. <laughs> yeah. um, I'd go back to find out how, how was it that he did not give up? I mean, because I've had days that I'm thinking, 
I just can't move forward. It's just mm-hmm. challenging. Life is tough. But here I have a guy who's totally blind, totally blind, raised 10 kids, pretty much raised me and my three brothers on the fly as well. Mm-hmm. And never, he never felt sorry for himself. And I think that is just a great, great quality in somebody. Mm-hmm. And to see how he did things and how, how he, he just was just generous and full of honor and you know, obviously very old fashioned compared to what today is. Right. Um, but I would just like to just pick his brain and hopefully since we're time traveling is that I can help him with this philosophy a bit and say, grandpa, you could have been, and he, he was, just, he was the ideal. He should have been in sales. He, everyone loved him. He could talk the ear off anybody. He was helpful. He could problem solve. Um, but he, yeah, I, I would probably go back to spend time with grandfather. That's awesome. No, I love that. And I think that's where you get your tenacity from and your brothers as well. Just that yeah. whole that grit that, you know, I'm not going to give up on anything actually reminded me of a quote. And I think I actually heard it from you. It was a bury me standing. I won't quit. And you had talked about the, and and it was an old story and I might break it wrong. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was this like girl and um, she was driving and these guys like raped her or something. Then she got thrown into like a little, uh, what's that called? Or like the side of the road. And then she climbs back out and then they get her again but then she still had that, like you talk about that mentality of I'm not going to let that one instance control my entire life. Define me, yeah. Define me. And then yeah. I think you had talked about like bearing me standing that whole, I'm not going to quit. And I just think of that sometimes, like when I was yeah. doing door knocking and crap. So I wanted to commend you for that. Cause it was like door knocking in Ooh. Texas is hard, not hard compared to what she went through by any means, but oh, yeah. out knocking on doors. You don't know who's going to come to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's funny the stories that you you hear that remind you or encourage you along the way. Like I heard you tell that at the youth group 20 plus years yeah. ago, and I used it 15 years later. Wow, that's that's encouraging. Yeah. Okay, it's still gone. What could, but you have to think what we say and what we do matters. It impacts yeah. people. And sometimes we say something that doesn't even seem to matter to us as much, but right. it's such life gold to them. And all, and I, and again, like I said, I just wanted to commend you for that because like it, it's affected me as a person. Cause I know I've been influenced by, you know, what you guys did uh, with the youth group and everything there. So I, again, just wanted to commend yeah. you on that. Thank so you. that I stopped you from crying. You can cry. Yeah. It's all good. Um, we're going to go to a little fun, uh, quick round. Okay. Um, this is just like one word answers. What you, what you think. So are you more uh, of a mountain or beach person? Mountain. Puppy dogs or kittens? Or kittens? Mm-hmm. Dogs. Uh, money or legacy? Ooh. Uh, some of the other side of money, I'm going to say legacy. <laughs> Most people say legacy. But there yeah. was a time I would have said money. Like yeah, I well, if you don't have money, money, legacy means nothing probably. Yep. But here's <laughs> the thing. Once you get to that level and you get to a point where you can breathe, like because we're talking about financial literacy and all, yeah. once you get to that point and you can breathe, that's why I say the 100K, because that seems to be a good level for most people. Yeah. Um, then you can start to live again and figure out what your dreams is, what you're looking sure. to do, who you're trying yeah. to become. Yeah. So any last parting words? And I, I like to frame it this way. Say that they didn't hear the rest of this. Maybe they're just hopping on or yeah. for some reason in the future space, this is all they get to hear from Tim Kaiser. For the people listening to this, what would you give them to be encouraged to move forward, to chase their dreams or just 
wisdom that you would leave with my audience next three to five minutes, whatever you want, what would you say to my, my, my people? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for most people in, in the area of getting to 150 or, or more is, is you just start, start, look ahead. Don't look back, look ahead, start and do your absolute best to not complain, not to be a victim. You're, again, you'll, you will be victimized. So the victim, whether you be a victim is your choice. Complaining, gossiping, whining, and crying is, it, it just diffuses, it just makes you powerless. Yep. So once, start right where you are. Start where you are. You're not, you're, you are where you are, and you can't change that. So start where you are, move forward, and, and don't complain, don't gossip, don't murmur, don't point and blame anybody. Um, if you're like thinking the power outside you controls what you can do, guess what? You're right. You're right. If you think I have control of me, guess what? You're right. Yep. So yep. You, you just move forward. No matter what happens, if you're crawling on your knees, you know, I think there's a, I think one of the old prophets said, you know, if I fall, you know, I will arise. You know, if you're just crawling, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's like, like I said, the example, I said, if you're taking, you're going to school, take one class. If you're learning a skill, just take one, one course and just do that one. Don't think, well, oh my God, if I, if I try to become, I'm going to enroll, say, say Joe has a, a master course in how to be a salesperson. Say it takes a year long course. You're like, my God, if I try to finish it, I'm going to be 45. And they can well, how would you be if you didn't take the course? Correct, right. You know, yeah. so you just just go anyways because, um, and, and think big, think big. I think I heard this from Jim Rohn one time. It's kind of like people like, well, no one in my company makes more than X amount of dollars. So I'm thinking nobody, nobody. I know that when I was working at the bank, the CEO of our company made $20 million a year. Easy, mm -hmm. easy. Now that was CEO, but I'm sure there are people in my business the guy, my business had 2,000 employees, and the leader of our business had his own suite of Cubs games, Bears games, Bulls games, Black games. Mm -hmm. He would get Bill Murray to come to his things all the time, right? As people from Chicago, that's a big deal. Yeah. Bill Murray's a big deal, right? And so he, you know, he drove a Porsche. He had his own private parking spot in our building. None of us, we all took the train. We wouldn't drive our cars there because it cost 40 bucks to get a park. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. So he made that much money. Somebody makes that much money in your company. Surely, surely you can make five bucks more an hour, 10 bucks more an hour, $10,000 more a year. If you think you can't, you won't. Right. Yep. So start where you are, take incremental steps once in a while. I, I'll take, this is one thing I do is to give me three or five minutes. As I tell people, this is one of the things I like to do is I call it peak P I Q U E. Like you peak someone's interest. Because your performance on the job is what you get paid to do. Do it well every single day. You get paid. You agreed to work for that pay. Do the job. At the end of the paycheck, you're even. They owe you nothing. You owe them nothing. But do that job great every day. That's the P. I is the image. What are you, what are you projecting to people? How do they see who you are? So I'm so glad social media wasn't around when I was a kid. Because people get on social media and they'll complain about everything. Yeah. <laughs> if I know somebody that's I, I have a job to hire and I see someone on social media complaining about everything, I'm not hiring. I them. would never ever hire them because yep. they are a complainer. If you complain, you are a complainer. Now there's legitimate things, but is that the image you want to project? Right? What do you want to project? 
Q is quell, which is the old fashioned word that means stop. Mm -hmm. Stop the complaining. Stop the blaming. Stop the drama. No one wants to work with a drama queen or king, right? Stop it. You, be a uniter. I'm telling you what, Joe, I've had a very good career in the world of business and a lot of it because I get along well with people. Yep. I've never, ever been the smartest guy in the world, in the room. In my office, my last job, I work with some of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. You talk about University of Chicago MBAs, PhDs in statistical analysis. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple things I had that they all didn't have. Is I worked really hard, which a lot of them did. And I worked really hard at being kind and helping them. Yes. So I, 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 I built my network really well. And it was kind of like, you know what, how can I really help you? It wasn't, I wasn't trying to get over on them. How can I really help them? And then I tried to help them, mm-hmm. right? So like on LinkedIn, if I know somebody needs a job, I'll try to, this guy out of the blue, the other day, he, he sent me an email, a, a LinkedIn message and saying, hey, I think he's like trying to sell something. And he's like said, hey, you, you have skills in a certain area. And I thought, hey, I know somebody who just lost their job in my company. So they did, they did sales cuts and sales mm-hmm. and this person is an expert in the spa like in jacuzzi spa yep and this guy was looking, i said hey i'm not the guy you want but this person she's an expert reach out mm-hmm. to her i just try to help people i haven't talked to her in two years right you just try to help people and e is exposure once in a while you have to take a swing for the fences mm-hmm. i've listened to your a lot of your stuff about you know base hits and doubles and stealing bases and doing small things but once in a while, we have to exposure because you want people to know you for all the right reasons. Correct. Right. Yep. So like yep. in my company where I was at, it, you know, you didn't want to be known for the wrong reasons, but you get a chance to meet the CEO, you introduce yourself. Or mm-hmm. is there a huge project you want to be on it? You better have P down, performance down. But once in a while, take a large swing and take on a big project and expand your circle of influence. So I call that peak, right? P-I-Q-U-E. Peak performance. Now, I love that. That's amazing. Uh, tons of golden nuggets here, people. Do me a favor. Go to Amazon. Check his book out. Again, The Profit Dare. You can get on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Uh, he's on LinkedIn. He's on Facebook. Very great guy. Highly recommend everything that he's doing. Man, you talked about a lot of stuff. I just want to say thank you again for being on My pleasure, show. Joe. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's been a blast. And guys, if you get a chance, when you go on to your places where you do podcasting, Apple, Spotify, wherever, like, comment, let me know what you think on the, uh, if you see us on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere there, like, comment, I respond to them. Love to help you out. And again, thank you for being on the 150K podcast, where we take your dreams to six figures and beyond. Again, I'm your host, Joe Graham. We'll be talking again shortly with some more amazing guests. Thank you.